Maybe I didn't treat you Quite as good as I should have Maybe I didn't love you Quite as often as I could have Little things I just said and done I just never took the time You were always on my mind You were always on Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. The great Elvis Presley lived to be only 42 years old. He married once to Priscilla Presley and had one child. He never got married again. And that song, Always On My Mind, could have been about Priscilla Presley because they remained close friends even after they divorced. I'm thinking about Elvis Presley because he really is the father of rock and roll. He really is the guy to be credited with changing the world for all of us. One of the great quotes I had that I enjoy the most was, in 1953, he went to Sun Records, which was owned by a record producer named Sam Phillips. Elvis Presley could not read music. He never could read music. He loved music, particularly gospel music and rhythm and blues. And there was a receptionist at Sun Records that this young teenager, full of himself in a good way, just like Wayne Gretzky will hear about, and Michelangelo. They knew they were better than everyone else. The receptionist's name was Marion Kiesker. And she said, she's the receptionist. All right, I'm going to put your name down. You're going to go in the recording studio and record a record. He was so excited he couldn't believe it. She said to him, what kind of singer are you? What do you sing? And Elvis said, I sing all kinds of music. She said to him, who do you sound like? And he said, I don't sound like nobody. That's exactly right. When he finally recorded in 1946, this tune, That's All Right, it was said Presley transformed not only the sound, but the emotion of the song, turning what had been written as a lament for a lost loved one into a satisfied declaration of independence. Roy Orbison in 1955, he was only 19 years old, saw him for the first time, Elvis, and said, his energy was incredible. His instinct was just amazing. I just didn't know what to make of it. There was just no reference point in the culture to compare it. Never seen anything like him. He was a force of nature. Elvis Presley, in my mind, is similar in a journey to Michelangelo, Elvis in music. Let's listen to his wife, Priscilla Presley, talk about the man, the myth, the legend of Elvis Presley. Let's go to number three, Steve. You know, he wasn't faithful not that he had someone special but when you're in the entertainment business there is always that and i tried to to turn my back to that 
but I just didn't want to share him. Simple as that. As much as he wanted to be married and have a family, I don't know if he was ever cut to be married because I don't think he could ever, ever be faithful to one woman. Michelangelo used to say when people said, why are you not married? And he used to say, my art is my wife. My sculptures are my children. Elvis Presley was married to rock and roll. Priscilla Presley was his wife, but it was rock and roll that he was really married to. Let's go to number four. We never lost our friendship and care for each other. He would call me at night. I really valued his calls. I valued him telling me, you know, what was wrong. And, and I haven't really said this because I, I, I value his trust in me so much. But living a lifestyle of rock and roll, it's difficult. It's, and especially rock and roll because it's that old saying, you know, sex, drugs, and rock and roll, and it is, it is there. But then at 42 years old, no more. Drugs did him in. Let's go to number five. You never thought of him passing away because he was so strong. This you can believe, I will never leave. He would sometimes check himself into the hospital because he wanted to get away from everyone. Uh, he didn't want the demands. He didn't want, you know, the phone calls. So you thought it was one of those times. Well, no, he can't be. He can't be. He's, this is a joke. This, this cannot be. In Florence, you can visit a place called Casa Bonarata, which is Michelangelo's home. It's one of the most visited places in Florence. You get to see where he lived. Let's listen to Priscilla Presley talk about what was she going to do once he died? Fascinating, the creation of Graceland, where everyone told her this ain't going to work. Number six. Did you think anyone would come? No. <laughs> no, never. Never. Elvis would never, ever have believed, you know, that that's his home is now a museum, but would have loved it and would have probably been, as we say around Grace in the first tour guide, because that's the first thing he did was show his place. The Graceland is the second most visited home in the country. You know what the number one visited home is? The White House. Graceland is number two. It's how many millions of people go to visit it each year. Let's go to seven. Graceland is really the statement of him making it. Because he was frightened he was going to be forgotten. He's yes. not going to be forgotten. Yes, he was. His thing was, I can't be a 40-year-old singer doing rock and roll on stage. He was already thinking that. And yet he was still very, very popular back then. And I don't think ever in his wildest dreams he could have imagined being this, this successful, this loved, um, still 40 years later. In the case of Michelangelo, even without commissions from the Pope, he continued every day to sculpt till he was 89 years old. It was his exercise, but it was his happiness. It was his life. He did it every day, whether he was getting paid or not. Elvis Presley realized singing a song was his marble. Every day he did it. And that's what made his life meaningful. Let's listen to number eight. So every dream that I ever dreamed has come true a hundred times. I learned very early in life that without a song, the day would never end. Without a song, a man ain't got a friend. Without a song, the world would never bend. 
love song. So I'll keep singing the song. You keep singing, Elvis, and we'll keep listening. What about in sports? Where do we see continued greatness really being better than anybody else? For me, he was called the great one, Wayne Gretzky in hockey. There'll never be anybody like him again. But listen to how it starts. What a life, what a journey. And it is exactly the journey of Michelangelo only in hockey. Let's go to number one. Grandma Gretzky had a pine wood floor and Wayne would slide around on this little floor like he had skates on with a little miniature hockey stick. And she would sit there with a little stick and uh, be his goalie. In between periods, the big thing that I loved to do was grab a ball or um, roll up a sock and take a little hockey stick and she'd play goal and I would take shots on her. Uh, and then when the period would start, we'd watch the game again. The odd time he would miss, of course, and hit her in the shins. <laughs> we knew when that happened. <laughs> You'd ask, who taught Michelangelo how to sculpt? Who taught Elvis how to sing? Who taught Wayne Gretzky how to skate? People like this, the greatest ever, they don't need to be taught. There is no teacher. It comes from within them, them themselves. Listen to his dad talk about Wayne and skating, number two. He'd never ever been on skates before. I bought him a pair of skates, took him down to the river, put him on, put him on the ice, and he literally skated, just skated. Walter built a rink behind their house in Brantford. It became known throughout the neighborhood as the Wally Coliseum. Soon Wayne was spending more time on the ice than in the house. I would get on the ice before school and skate for an hour, hour and a half. Um, when school was over at 3 o'clock, I would come home and I would skate till 5.30, quarter to 6, and then my parents would call me in for dinner. People ask me all the time, Dr. Clapper, you're 63 years old. Why do you work so hard in the operating room? Six surgeries yesterday, four surgeries on Wednesday, another four on Monday. I've been doing this for 31 years. Why? Because if you're Michelangelo, you can't stop sculpting. If you're Wayne Gretzky, you just want to skate. Let's listen to number three. I would go back on the ice for another hour. And then Saturdays were basically spent from 8 in the morning till about 6 o'clock, 6.30 at night skating. There were some evenings, for example, it would be pretty late, it would be 10 o'clock at night, and I had a floodlight in the backyard, and his mother would say, Walter, would you please go bring him in the house? It's 10 o'clock, the neighbors are going to think we're all crazy in this house. <laughs> Love it. You want to know how good he was? How quickly he became the great one? Listen to number four. The first year he ever played, he was six years old. The youngest traveling team we had at that time were 10-year-old boys. He made that team. He scored one goal that year. Four years later for that same team, he scored 378 goals. And these were 10 minutes straight time periods. When I was growing up, my dad used to say, Robbie, don't be like me. Look at how hard I work, how frustrating it is to make a living. Use your brain. Do something with your life. You can do it. He gave me that confidence, even though he couldn't find it for himself. Wayne Gretzky's father gave Wayne Gretzky his confidence. Number five. The biggest thing that he saw is that I had love for this game. And for whatever reason, he felt that for some reason, 
I was in a very special situation. I can remember after a game, we got beat 6-1, to one and I was kind of, you know, nonchalant about it. And so I remember my dad very, you know, quietly saying, you know, it doesn't matter if it's the first game or the last game. You know, people are coming watch you play, and you got to play well every game. You can't have any bad games. I mean, he told me that when I was 9, 10 years old. Um, and he didn't say it to put pressure on me. He didn't say it to, to push me or motivate me. He just really believed that. Michelangelo had his nose broken by a young kid jealous of his talent. Elvis Presley, teenage boys picked fights with him because they didn't like that he got on stage and made their girlfriends go crazy. Jealousy. When you're good, it's coming. How do you deal with jealousy when you're Wayne Gretzky and you're the best hockey player and you're only 10 years old? Let's listen to Wayne and his dad talk about that. Number six. I think the biggest problem that Wayne encountered was the fact that you take, if you have a boy in a team, and Wayne's on that team. Who's got the puck all the time? Pretty soon, you, as a parent, are going to resent him. It never bothered Wayne at first, but it bothered me badly. Number seven. What's sad about it is, uh, out of 30 parents, 26 or 27 of them were tremendous. And it's always the one or two or three bad apples in a, in a bushel cart that ruin it for everyone. And that pressure wasn't something that a normal 11, 12, 13-year-old needed to go through. I tried to tell Wayne that it would always be like that, that the better you get, the worse it's going to get, because everybody cares about their own. And so you're, you're going to be turned on. And this did happen. So one of the reasons we moved him to Toronto. In 1953, at Sun Records, the receptionist, Marion Keisker, said, what kind of a singer are you? Who do you sound like? And Elvis Presley said, I don't sound like nobody. He was going to be different. He was going to see the world differently, like Michelangelo, like all of us who want to be creative. This is my favorite quote from Walter Gretzky. Wayne Gretzky's dad, number eight. On the backyard rink, Walter Gretzky had taught his son that hockey was a thinking game. Go to where the puck is going, not where it's been, was his constant refrain. And even as he faced the greatest players in the game, it often seemed that the puck belonged to Wayne alone. In Michelangelo's life, once he made the Pieta in the Vatican, then he made the David, then he made the Sistine Chapel, there was no one in the history of art who came close to that. Wayne Gretzky, ultimately, he didn't just break hockey records. He broke his own records because that's the only records that still existed. Number nine. Soon the records he was breaking were his own. The doubters were gone. Wayne Gretzky had earned his nickname, the Great One. Wayne has never been clocked as the fastest skater in the world, but try to stay with him. He moves across that ice very, very quickly. Great playmaking, great vision. Um, he was also um, very keen at finding open ice, and his whole team seemed to look for him in the open ice. And boom, away he'd go. Now you'll hear from three of the greatest hockey players that ever lived. Dennis Potvin. I watched him, New York Islanders. 
Phil Esposito, I watched him for the New York Rangers. And Mario Lemieux, the Pittsburgh Penguins. These are three of the greatest scorers and hockey players in the history of hockey. Listen to them talk about their competitor. But they're not committed. He's at a whole different level, Wayne Gretzky, because of what his dad taught him of how to see things that other people don't see, how Michelangelo could see through the block of stone at the figure trapped within it, how a great surgeon sees through the skin and can see the joint that lives below. Listen to these hockey players, the greatest, talk about the great one, Wayne Gretzky. Number 10. I wanted to hit him so badly sometimes, but I just really couldn't get a piece of him. He's like a master chess player. He knew where to go, where he wasn't going to really run into a lot of traffic and yet be most effective. Nobody saw the ice better than Wayne Gretzky. Nobody ever passed the puck better than Wayne Gretzky. And nobody ever knew what you were going to do before you even knew it than Wayne Gretzky. He was always one step ahead of everybody uh, before he got the puck. He knew what he was going to do. He knew what the other players uh, were going to do against him. And for that reason, he was probably the best uh, that ever played. Of all the fans that Wayne Gretzky made, me included, you included, there was one fan that mattered the most. Same thing for Michelangelo. It was his dad. That's the guy he wanted to prove himself to because of all the gifts he gave him. It's the one guy I wanted to prove myself to. Listen to Mark Messier, his teammate, talking about what would happen when his dad would come to the games. Number 11. Walter was such a big influence on Wayne's career that um, if Wayne would be struggling or if there was a big game or really needed a win, uh, they would always fly Walter in. Remember Mr. Sather phoning me. He said, uh, Walter, you got any time coming to you? Because he knew I would save my days at Bell Canada. And I said, yeah, why? He said, listen, we have to win the next game. Wayne always <laughs> plays better when you're here. I'll send you a ticket. You got to come to the next game. When we saw Walter there, it was uh, it was exciting for just as exciting for us after a while as it was for Wayne, and uh, or maybe even more so. The teammates got excited when they saw Walter Gretzky. What a sweet, beautiful man he was. That's where greatness comes from. But to sustain the greatness, to be eighty-nine years old, five hundred years ago, it's exactly what Professor Wallace said. Find something you're passionate about. And that'll be the greatest lifeblood you'll ever have. Coming up next, the clinic will be open. The number is 877-710-ESPN. And I got to tell you where to get the best chocolate cupcake I've ever had in my life. Here in Los Angeles, you can find it. And I'll tell you where. The number is 877-710-ESPN. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warriors show here on 710 ESPN. Quite as often as I could have. You're listening to the Weekend Warrior Show, presented by Cedar Sinai on ESPN LA 710 and the ESPN app. I just can't help believe. 
even when she smiles up soft and gentle with a trace of misty morning. Oh, I love this song. And a promise of tomorrow in her eyes. Here comes the best part. I just can't help believing when she's lying close beside me. And my heart beats with the rhythm of her sighs. Here it is. This time the girl is gonna stay. stay. Sing it, Elvis. This time the girl is gonna stay. He may not be able to read music. Nobody put emotion into a song like he did. How do you make a solid piece of rock into a feeling of a mother losing her child or of David being scared of Goliath? How do you do that? Emotion. He's in the emotion business. Elvis is, Michelangelo is, and so was Wayne Gretzky. And that's the key. Have passion in your life. Have emotion. Let's go to Joe in San Diego. You're on with Dr. Clapper. How can I help? Hey, Dr. Clapper. This is Joe. I spoke to you about six months or eight months ago. Uh, I have legs, calf, perthes, and I got the hip replacement. Good. Are you happy? Yeah. Yeah, it's been it's it's been uh, five months post-op right now. I had a THA uh, on the left hip, and it has been great. I've been uh, in the water a lot the last couple months, boogie boarding. Uh, I haven't been surfing yet because I'm still getting the flexibility on my hips. Got it. Are you doing any pool exercises? Um, I, no, I haven't been doing any pool exercises, but when it's low tide, I live about 10 minutes from the beach, and so when it's low tide, I come out, and I've been doing a lot of stretches, walking backwards in the water, and Good. a lot of movement going on. Good for you, Joe. I'm proud of you. Um, you know, Thanks. we used to think, at least I was taught many years ago, you had to take an x-ray every year. I don't, you're so young, you don't want to be getting radiated every year. Every few years, you'll need an x-ray to make sure everything is going along right. And you, the only way you're going to mess this up is an infection, God forbid. So my, you're asking me my opinion? Here's my opinion. You should make sure that you get a prescription for antibiotics and fill the prescription, put it in your suitcase. If you're ever traveling and you're someplace, you don't have to worry about a pharmacy because if a spider bites you, you get an ingrown toenail, all of a sudden your gum flares up and you need a root canal, you got to protect that beautiful hip that you have. I always want you to be your own boss. You may never need these antibiotics as long as you live. But I want you to always be your own boss and be prepared in case you do. Just cutting yourself, you don't have to worry, Joe. But if that cut starts to look nasty, you better be able to protect this hip with some antibiotics. Your surgeon may not tell you that. Your dentist may not tell you that. But you know who's telling you that? Me, Dr. Clapper. So listen. I, I appreciate that. I will definitely uh, get on that and take care of that. And I, okay. again, I just wanted to call and tell you uh, that 
I, I, again, I still listen to the show almost every Saturday and it's been, uh, I still haven't been back to work. So I've just been trying to keep myself busy. Um, but again, it's been, uh, the recovery has been good. And I just want to say thanks for taking the time about, you know, six, eight months ago to, uh, listen and give me advice because again, it was, it was uh, a little scary, uh, thinking about having to replace, but now that I've done it and I'm living pain free and I'm an inch taller, uh, it's been great. You know, the fact that you're calling me to thank me means a lot to me. It's the reason I get up Saturday mornings after being in the operating room for 10, 12 hours the day before. It gets me up in the morning to be able to meet a total stranger like you and help someone that I've never met and maybe we will never meet. How beautiful that is. But I will tell you, the way you have a happy life is when you're grateful for things. The, the ability for you to say thank you to me is the reason I say thank you to all the people that have helped me. That's how you have a happier life. When I interviewed Vince Scully, I tried to bestow upon the great Vince Scully, how terrific he is and all the things he does and did for all of us. And he immediately would say "I'm that he's the luckiest person. He's so grateful. Let me tell you, if someone like Vince Scully can turn it around and talk about how grateful he is for his life. All of us need to do the same. You got your health, you've got everything in life, and God bless you. You got me in your back pocket forever, Joe, if you ever need me. I really appreciate it. Have a great day today, and God bless you. Thanks so much. All right, Warriors, I think I should tell you, yeah, I'll wait to tell you about the cupcake location uh, a little bit later. Last Sunday, I went surfing, and the waves have not been big. But one of the joys I have is going to the bakery in Ventura, which, by the way, is not where this cupcake is. She has other things for me. Sue at Good Times Donut. But is to surf with my buddies. And I love being there with them, and vice versa. So there's a particular surfing buddy I have. His name is Lance. And I'm in the water last Sunday waiting for the waves to come in, pretty much meditating, looking out on the open ocean, waiting for the next set to come. And I was with Ed and Lance, Russ was in Hawaii, John, just thinking of all the folks that I was surfing with. And as I'm looking out onto the horizon, there's no wave coming, so you wait. It teaches me patience in life. It teaches me how to recognize that I'm just an insignificant small part of this big universe, but I actually am here. And as my friend from Hawaii, Todd, always says, I'm operating on animal time. You could have a watch, a clock, all you want, but the ocean doesn't care what time it is. It's got its own time. And it was at this moment that Lance said to me, hey, Robbie, did you see that sea lion? on the shore, flopping around. I said, yes, he was gigantic. I've never seen one of them. I've seen them on the buoys out in the ocean, but I haven't seen one flopping around on the shoreline ever. He said, Robbie, that's not a seal. That's a sea lion. I said, you know, iceberg, Goldberg, it's all the same. I don't know the difference. He goes, you want me to teach you what the difference between a seal and a sea lion is? I said, sure. He said, sea lions are one of the most intelligent animals ever. 
kind of like dolphins being so smart. He said, that's why in every circus around the world, that animal that's flopping around with a ball on top of its head with a hat on in all the circuses, because they can be trained, is a sea lion. He says, and let me tell you something else. Every sea lion in every circus around the world has DNA that comes from Southern California. Because in the 1820s, a Russian sailor saw this sea lion and realized how smart they were and brought hundreds of them back to Europe and Russia. This is in the 1800s and supplied their circuses in Europe and Russia with these sea lions, which were then trained. Every one of them's DNA has roots in Southern California. I said, Lance, I still don't know how to tell the difference between a seal and a sea lion. He says, okay, I'll tell you. Sea lions have ears on the outside of their head, like human beings do, our external ear. Seals don't have an ear on the outside of their head. So if you see ears, they're sea lions. And the face of a sea lion has a snout like a dog. They look like dogs with flippers. Seals have more of a pushed in face. So those are the two differences. I never knew this, but sea lions are incredibly smart. And if you ever get a chance to get out, out in the water, you'll see on the buoy, those are sea lions. They're female and they're the juveniles. You won't see the big males. The big males you'll see all by themselves on a dock or on a rock. But on those buoys, they're all juveniles and females. Just a bit of Southern California knowledge for you all. We'll take a break, we'll pay some bills. The number is 877-710-ESPN. I'm gonna tell you a little bit more about surgery this week. I used a tool this week that I've never used before that is going to revolutionize the world of shoulder and knee surgery. And I'll teach you about what that is so you'll be on the forefront. Coming up next, the number is 877-710-ESPN. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warriors Show here on 710 ESPN. You're listening to the Weekend Warrior Show presented by Cedar sinai on ESPN LA 710 and the ESPN app. What's going on, L.A.? This is Kobe Bryant. All right. Start your weekend off right, listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. I'm Big Clap. Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN, 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers. Weekend Warriors, the great Steve Paletta's in the house playing Sixto Rodriguez, a man who went his whole life stranded in Detroit, not knowing that he was the biggest Elvis Presley type rock and roll star in South Africa. Oh man. Don't, don't miss that movie. Netflix, whatever. Searching for Sugar Man. Be one of the greatest movies you ever saw. It's all about this man's life. I love it. And I give a shout out to Vic, who's Armenian. 
And you know how you say good morning in Armenian? Bari Luz, Bari Luz, Vic, who called and told Steve Paulette he's been listening, and that stone carver in, in Armenian, the word is Kardashian. So probably Robert Kardashian, the dad of the Kardashian girls, came from a family of stone carvers in Armenia. Isn't that cool? What a great audience we have, Steve Paulette. It's such a pleasure. Speaking of that, let's go to Marcus. You're on with Dr. Clapper. How can I help? Good morning, sir. Uh, morning, Marcus. You're busy. Good morning, sir. Um, I won't take too much of your time. I just want to uh, thank you for um, changing my mind about doing the surgery of, uh, about my foot uh, plantar. And uh, you told me a couple of exercises and different things that I need to do, and I appreciate that. But the main reason really beside that that I call is I want to truly, uh, from the very depth of my heart, appreciate the value you put on the family. I, you always talk about your father, about your mother. And I think, especially nowadays, the family value, they're just so very, very important. And this comes from someone that I was separated from my family at age 14. And the next time, in 1978, next time I saw my family was last year in North Carolina. And 41 years didn't see the family. And uh, sometimes wow. I take a step back and realize how precious families are. And I appreciate that. I truly do. You know, thank you, thank you, thank you for saying that. It made, for whatever reason, it just made me think about something. My dad worked and struggled truly to make a living as a carpenter, but I admired him so much of who he was as a person and his integrity and his honesty. And one day, and there was no money to be had at all. One day I come home, I was in high school, and he says to me, Robbie, I just bought you something because I know you're going off to college to make a better life for yourself. I said, okay, what did you, you didn't have to get me anything. He says, I bought you. I said, well, what did you get me? So I take apart the wrapping paper and what is underneath it, but a set of golf clubs. My father never gave him the luxury of a, himself a day off a vacation. And he was never going to be like other folks who get to play golf in their life. I looked at him, I said, golf clubs? You don't know anything about golf. Why are you giving me, he goes, because I heard that successful men play golf. And I want you to take these clubs and learn how to play golf, Robbie, because this will come in handy later in your life. My father didn't know a putter from a driver and it was kind of a, you know, a, like you bought them at Sears. It wasn't from anything fancy. But I remember that moment thinking he wants me to excel in life and have a better life than he had. And you're right. It's not talked about enough how important it is. Now, some people are not lucky to even know who their father is or want to have anything to do with their father. That's where it comes in for you and I, Marcus, to, to meet a total stranger and mentor them. The young high school kid, the young college kid who emails me, to, can they spend time with me in the office and shadow me? I say yes, because many of them didn't have the lucky life that you and I did to have a family that we know is precious. So thank you for reminding us all how important it is. I really appreciate it. I appreciate you and the time you 
put in every week, and and your stories are, are all of them are great. And uh, <laughs> honestly, uh, I, I just felt I, I need to say this. Well, I appreciate it immensely. You can tell that I never went to school for this, which is why I'm probably doing the entire radio show wrong, because I really don't know what I'm doing. But you know what, Marcus? After ten years and the success of this show. I must be doing something right, but it's a good thing nobody ever taught me. I'm like Wayne Gretzky. You put me on the radio, you put him on skates. His dad said he already knew how to skate. I didn't have to teach him. So you're right. Sometimes when it comes from inside, then you kind of are a natural at it. And I guess I must be for being able to do this. And thanks so much. You really made my day. You're the reason I get up Saturday mornings to know that people in the audience are just like you, Marcus. Thanks so much and God bless you. Thank you, and same to you and to your family, sir. Thank you, sir. All right, Warriors. There's a great mind, the American dream, in Naples, Florida, is a man who owns his own company. Thousands of people work for him. His name is Reinhold. And the company he started is a company that makes tools for those of us who need to fix your rotator cuff and fix your Achilles tendon and fix your ACL and fix things that we have to do in surgery. He is a tool maker and his company is the most successful tool making company for orthopedic surgeons in the world. He started with nothing. When I went to visit him in Naples, Florida, he couldn't wait to show me the card table that he has kept all these years because that was the card table that he used to lay out three new gadgets that he came up with to start his company called Authrex. Well, this week, I should, I'll put on Twitter. You should follow me on Twitter. I'll put a picture out of me in the operating room holding and using one of the tools that he just came, that he just launched. And I'm one of the first, they tell me, to use this tool here in Los Angeles in someone's knee. It's a fiber optic way to look in your knee, but the tool is as thin as a needle. It's not the size of a fountain pen or a marker, like traditionally they are, four millimeters. It's half that. It's the size of a needle. And it was so exciting to hold this tool in my hand and feel the future. You heard me talk to Professor Wallace about his book makes me think of wind. It makes me think of something invisible because what he's able to do with this book that he wrote, Michelangelo, God's Architect, great book about, that, about the last 20 years of Michelangelo's life, piecing together letters and all kinds of artifacts from 500 years ago to put together a life that we now can see that's invisible. We're not gonna go back 500 years, but by using the wisdom of Dr. Professor Wallace, we can paint a picture of what Michelangelo's life really was. It's like wind. You can't paint wind you can feel wind, you can't paint wind. You can't take a photograph of wind, you can't sculpt wind. You can just see its effects. When I held that new tool in my hand, you can't feel the future and you can't 
see the future, but you can tell it's the future. And I could tell it's the future by holding that tool in my hand. It was so exciting. The operating room was incredible this week. One of the patients was, uh, he's in his 50s. He needed his knee rebuilt because he played football professionally. You don't know how many older professional athletes, particularly football players back in the day, gave their bodies for the sport. That's why NFL films used to have that, that clip, Hardest Hits, remember that? Where they put the microphone on the sidelines so you can hear what the collisions were like? Yeah, well, those collisions now all these years later has led to many a football player ending up in my office to rebuild their shoulder, their hip, their knee, whatever. And that was one of the cases this week to see stitches that have been placed in this guy's knee from 30 years ago, getting around all that stuff, taking a pretzel, a crooked knee, and making it as beautiful as new. It was awesome. To be able to use all these years of experience that I have, forget the robot, forget the computer, forget all that stuff. You need a Michelangelo. You need a, a surgeon that has experience, who's artistic, and it doesn't have to be me, but that's what you need. Gray hair is important in life, or in, the, in my case, no hair. Young surgeons are, are great, but there's nothing like experience to know when to stop, to know where to put your retractors, to know how to be less traumatic. That's the key. They all want to know, how come I can do these surgeries so fast? I'm not trying to do them fast. But I'm trying to do what my dad taught me. Measure twice, cut once. You do that in life, no matter what you do. Measure twice, cut once, you'll be the best at what you do. All right, we'll take a break. We'll pay some bills. Coming up next, I will reveal where the best chocolate cupcake that I've ever had lives in Los Angeles. It's a flourless chocolate cupcake. Oh, my God, it was life-changing. Had it this week. I'll tell you where you can get it. The number is 877-710-ESPN. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warrior Show here on 710 ESPN. You're listening to the Weekend Warrior Show presented by Cedar sinai on ESPN LA 710 and the ESPN app. What's going on, LA? This is Kobe Bryant. Oh, my God. That's amazing. Start your weekend off right. Listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. Google the Guggenheim. Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. You know why Steve Paulette is playing that song called Sweet Sue? Because last Sunday he met my favorite Sue in the whole wide world. And she owns and she's the baker at Good Time Donuts in Ventura. The best coconut vanilla icing cake donut I've ever had cinnamon and sugar old-fashioned donut oh my god they're the best it's worth the trip drive up there and tell them Dr. Clapper sent you she'll have a big smile on her face and Steve Paulette got to meet her but where is the best flourless chocolate cake in Los Angeles Susie Cakes like Sue Susie Cakes oh my god life-changing I may have to go get one today, even though it's not my birthday. 
My daughter got it for me for my birthday. Changed my life. Eat it with a fork so you'll appreciate the flakiness of that chocolate. It's literally like carving in marble, black marble, with the white icing on top. It's really whipped cream. Oh my God. And make sure you have a cup of coffee with it. Oh, you don't need to eat anything else that day. Forget with the calories. If you only ate that for the whole day, you'd lose weight. All right, let's take some calls before we close out today's show. Let's go to Ed in Laverne. You're on with Dr. Clapper. How can I help? Good morning, sir. I had a uh, knee replacement. Wait, wait, wait. How old are you? What do you do for a living? I'm 66 years old. I'm an air conditioning contractor. Oh, wow. So you're a Freon expert. Uh, Sometimes, yes. (laughs) That's the most fascinating chemical ever made, right? That it can make something hot, cold by just being a gas. Well, you're not doing that. You're absolutely absorbing heat, which you already know that, I'm sure. Yeah. But that's, oh, man, I just go. love And by the way, it may be called Freon, Ed, but it ain't free. <laughs> no, sir, especially, especially in California. Things, things, right. change, uh, things change regularly. What did anyway, your father sir, do for a living? Pardon? What did your father do for a living? He worked for Water and Power. He was a lineman for Water and Power. So how did you get into interested in air conditioning? A friend of a friend was into it, and I enjoyed working with my hands, and um, just uh, kind of fell into it, and that was about 40 years ago. Do you ever use ultraviolet light to sterilize the, the duct? Yes, sir. That's a, that's a pretty common... They're doing that a lot more now, especially with the, all the COVID and whatnot, but that's part of the... Of the um, uh, systems these days in a lot of uh, hospitals use it and uh, clean rooms because it, it one good thing about it it doesn't add any air restriction a lot of the uh, a lot of the uh, HEPA filters and whatnot add static pressure to the system and obviously a uh, ultraviolet lights don't so they are a good option in conjunction with uh, with with other filtration but, Don't you uh, love it that something invisible, ultraviolet light, can have an effect on something? I just love that. Yeah, that's interesting. In fact, a doctor is, well, years ago, I forgot his name. I want to say about 25 years ago, originally invented it, or at least started the, the, the process on it, and then other people kind of stole it from him. But I can't remember the gentleman's name, but it okay. was a long time ago, you know. So, Ed, do you listen to the show? You know what Clapper Vision is? Yes, sir. I do. All right. I do. All right. And let me see if I can help you. I heard, I, heard, I heard Kobe a few minutes ago. I sure miss him. Yep. I don't. Yeah. To be honest with you, it's almost like uh, my mom and dad have passed away. My life is different now when your parents are gone. The Lakers, yeah, thought- God bless them. It's still Jerry Buss's dream, but it's a different Lakers when, uh, when Kobe ain't here, for me at least. And I'm it's still suffering like trying to get over it. Yes, sir. It's almost like it isn't real. I still haven't come to, you know, yep. doesn't seem doesn't seem right. The world without Kobe in it. And everything, okay. the whole world fell apart once he uh, crashed that helicopter. Uh, Boy, I sure. think the whole thing started sure. to go downhill once once we lost Kobe. Yes, sir. But I, All right, how can I help? Re- Are you there, sir? Yep, I'm here. Had a knee replacement March 9th. Started doing uh, therapy about three weeks afterwards. Bottom line, my bending has actually regressed a little bit. I was at 108 
to a certain extent, and now I have to work really hard to even get to like 95 to 100. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, I don't know, I'm doing everything that they've told me to do, and I wonder if you had any suggestions as far as Are you kidding? range of You're- motion. Are you kidding? You're talking to Dr. Clapper. You think I have some suggestions of what to do with your stiff knee? (laughs) I'm sure you do. It's like me asking you an air conditioning question. (laughs) There you go. Well, I knew you you would have some uh, some advice for me. So there's a website, uh, which is Dr. Robert Clapper. You should go to it and you'll see a woman 70 years old riding her bicycle in her on her street in her neighborhood the day after I did her knee. So yeah, that, will, that. In, that will inspire you. Go check that out. Um, the greatest thing that you can do. So here, get ready for a clapper vision. You ready? Yes, sir. Clapper Your scar vision. tissue is like a ball of dough in the pizzeria. You cannot take that ball of dough and with one move make a 12 inch pizza dough. It's not you'll tear the dough. So what do the pizzeria guys do? They push the ball of dough into the tabletop. They then put their fists in. They throw it in the air. They work the gluten, slow, steady, moving it around. The whole idea that you go to therapy for an hour, three days a week to get your knee moving is ridiculous. It ain't gonna work. The real hero is you. Now, I'm assuming your surgery was done well, the surgeon knew what they were doing, the parts fit, measure twice, cut once. Let's assume everything's done perfectly, that the pieces are the right size and all the rest of it. But- Doctor, I do, I do work it every day of the week, two times a day. So That's I not am, what I'm talking about. You, do you own, Ed, in Laverne, do you own a stationary bicycle? Uh, not a stationary bicycle, but I, I do ride my, my regular bike every day of the week almost. I need you to buy yourself a birthday present, okay? Go online, order it. You don't have to go shopping. A Schwinn, S-C-H-W-I-N-N, spinning bike. I need you to have your own bike in the house and use it for 10, 15 minutes in the morning, 10, 15 minutes at the end of the day. When you make the seat high up, you'll work on straightening your knee extension. You lower the seat, you'll work on flexion. Forget the physical therapy. You be the therapist. I need you on that stationary bike. Until then, I'll leave you with Volari, which means I'm singing and I'm flying. And thanks so much for checking in, Ed. Warriors, we got a great show next week. Can't wait to see you on the radio.